0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs>
1: and welcome to episode number 60 of Unfermitable where we take a look at some of the less heralded myths in our beloved franchise's quirky history as to us every player who dons the orange and blue is in some way unfermitable we're recording this at the time of season when the 2021 all-star team has been announced Perhaps a bit of an upset that only one player from the first place New York Mets will be making the All-Star team in Jacob deGrom, uh, of course, but a little disappointing, I think, in some quarters, especially that Taiwan Walker did not get the call, but we could also make a case for Marcus Stroman, Edwin Diaz, all seeming potentially worthy. And of course, All-Stars by nature don't make for very strong, unformidable fare, since we try to focus on... Overlooked or shorter-term Mets, uh, players who made a mark for one moment, or perhaps some off-field chicanery. Um, Perhaps, you know, long-term (laughs) also your Movans, your Broto Alomars, those could be a bit more in keeping with the theme of the pod. But uh, I wanted to try and focus on someone who made the All-Star game as a Met, and with a franchise with some poor seed. structure where every team has a representative, uh, there are a handful of interesting choices. Um, one of the slightly less likely Met All-Stars, at least a name that jumped out to me, was in fact a perhaps underrated pitcher uh, that, due to the fact that he toiled for some terrible Met teams and was perhaps fated to never be appreciated in his tenure as a Met uh, due to the arriving in Flushing in the midnight massacre trade of Tom Seaver to the Cincinnati Reds, that being Pat Zachary. Now, I have to say, for me personally, Pat Zachary is part of my earliest baseball memories. I discovered the Mets in the late '70s and really grew to love them in the early '80s. Rough years, and it was I was too young to know the disappointment of seeing Seaver leave. I just remember being very fascinated, and frankly, as a five six-year-old a little bit scared of the tall thin uh almost gaunt and very scraggly bearded pat zachary and i remember him being one of the first mets uh, i found myself very frustrated with um you know which is and not the last shall we say as a met fan but i just remember you know my earliest baseball tutors bob murphy ralph kiner seemed to think highly of him uh, but it didn't seem to lead to much success for him or the Mets. He seemed oft injured, and you know, back then, especially when we paid attention to the one-loss record of pitchers, and he was pitching for such a bad team, it was perhaps easy to get frustrated with him. But I didn't know much of the baseball journey that led Pat Zachary to New York, which is indeed fascinating. And let's look at it before we get to his Met tenure. So, Patrick Paul Zachary was born April 24th, 1952, in Richmond, Texas. He attended Richfield High in nearby Waco. The little I could glean online, he seemed like a bit of a wild child, uh, who was, according to an article I read on Sabre.com, lucky to make it to high school, as he was accidentally shot in the abdomen at the age of 14. But he made it to high school, fortunately, and... Obviously participated in baseball there and started to draw serious attention from professional scouts after throwing three no-hitters in summer league competition between, I think, junior and senior year in high school. But he was indeed drafted out of high school by the Cincinnati Reds in the 19th round of the 1970 June amateur draft. He was the 454th overall selection, a full 47 picks ahead of future Hall of Fame inductee Bruce Souter. Zachary moved steadily through the minors, dodging a figurative and likely more literal bullets in 1971, as he pulled a very low draft number for the Vietnam War, But he failed the Army's physical due to severe injuries that he had sustained to his ankle and lower leg as a youngster, which allowed him to avoid service and continue with his baseball career. And in fact, old injuries from before his time in the minors and majors and injuries throughout his career would kind of define and somewhat limit his baseball career greatly. But as a young man, he succeeded... Uh, pretty consistently at each level of the minors. By 1974, he was pitching well enough at AAA that you would probably expect that he would have gotten a chance at the majors, except for the fact that, of course, he was with the Cincinnati organization and the Big Red Machine was rolling along very smoothly and they didn't have much need for help from the minors. He repeated AAA for a second full season in 1975 as... He and his teammate Santo Alcala went 1-2 in the AAA in ERA, but they were never needed as the 1975 Reds rolled to 108 wins and, of course, the World Championship. The 108 wins, uh, a National League mark that would not be equaled for another 11 years in the National League, as we all know, until 1986. But rather than risk losing the two minor league pitchers who were slated to be out of options, uh, the Reds traded away a couple of veteran pitchers to make room for Zachary as well as Alcala on the 1976 squad. Uh, Zachary was originally slated to appear only primarily out of the bullpen, uh, but injuries, particularly one to one of Cincinnati's aces at the time, Don Gullett, pushed him into the rotation for what would be an incredibly Influential rookie season for an all-time team. That grief featured a fastball slider and a changeup, a particularly good changeup, and decent command. He quickly grew the uh, drew the uh, confidence of Sparky Anderson, the Reds manager, and would become somewhat of a mainstay in the rotation. And in fact, on September 21st of 1976, Zachary would throw a complete game 9-1 victory over the San Diego Padres, striking out nine and leading the Reds to their second straight division title and fifth in seven years on the mound for the clincher. And again, it was his 14th win of the season, uh, his final regular season win. But he would go on to post the win in Game 2 of the NLCS, a three-game sweep of the Phillies, And he took the mound in Game 3 of the World Series in Yankee Stadium and again got the win as the Reds completed a four-game sweep of the Yankees and were the first team to sweep through the playoffs, through the expanded two-round playoffs. He allowed four runs over his two starts in 11 and two-thirds innings in the postseason. And in addition to being a world champion in his first professional season, Zachary would win a share of the 76th rookie of the year award along with Padres reliever Butch Metzger Uh, Zachary became with that the first rookie of the year pitcher to uh, appear in the World Series in that same season for his team or excuse me to start and win a game in the World Series for his team. Uh, Fernando Valenzuela would uh, succeed him at that in 1981 and later on, Dontrell Willis would become the third Rookie of the Year pitcher to appear in the World Series for his team in 2003. I do not believe he got a win in that series, however. But for 1977, the Big Red Machine that had been humming along so well hit a rut. The team started slow, fell behind the Dodgers early in the season, and Zachary himself uh, was not helpful and started the season slow himself. Uh, he had an off-season hernia operation. Uh, struggled with elbow problems and pain in spring training as he tried to rush back from the off-season surgery and was uh, inefficient and was 2-6 with a 5.76 ERA mid uh, midseason for the Reds or as the trade deadline was approaching. And I believe we, uh, those of you who are Mets fans, I think as the bulk of the audience know, uh, that the culmination of the Mets drama with Tom Seaver was coming to a head in June of 1977, which would lead to the June 15th Midnight Massacre, when the Mets would pull off four trades, trading away 11 players, including Dave Kingman, but obviously most prominently Tom Seaver, the franchise himself, going to Cincinnati for four players, which would be Doug Flynn, Steve Henderson, Dan Norman, and the previous year's Rookie of the Year, Pat Zachary, uh, all heading to New York in return for Tom Seaver. Met fans were, of course, bereft to see the franchise go, and as Met fans we, of course, see it through that lens and our lens, and that's how it's remembered for us, but Pat Zachary shared most Met fans' sentiments. He was unhappy about the trade, uh, both professionally and personally. He, of course, lamented in interviews going from the penthouse to the outhouse, I believe the phrase was from last place from first place to last place, uh but he also was about to get married in seventy seven and his wedding was planned to be in season in Cincinnati, so it involved a lot of logistical problems and of course, as this was the nineteen seventies uh he also expressed a great deal of fear, uh, I don't think so much publicly, but uh, he was the small-town person uh, player as human and was scared at the thought of living in New York, as I guess many were in the 70s. And many are now that I think about it, which is misguided at best, but I digress. Lost, probably, it seems to me, in the hullabaloo and the distraught nature of losing Tom Seaver, uh, Zachary managed to go a respectable seven and six uh, with a three point seven seven ERA for a pretty brutal club. Uh, you know, the, of course, the seventy seven team was bad before they traded away Tom Seaver and a bunch of other prominent players. So uh, that was that was a pretty impressive, Mark. And Zachary would actually continue that decent pitching in the first half of nineteen seventy eight as he would do his best to make it look as if the trade wouldn't be a total disaster for the Mets until another injury, this one self-inflicted, would short-circuit his what would be his all-star 1978 season. Zachary came out of the gate running in '78. He went 2-0 over his first four starts, including a two-hit shutout of the Cardinals on April 19th. Keith Hernandez getting one of those two hits off of him always love a Keith reference when I can slip one in. Uh, he would stumble a little bit in May, Zachary, but he'd turn it back on um, having a, a pretty phenomenal stretch between May 29th and the 4th of July, in which he went 6-3 and three, uh, through four complete games over those, I think it was 10 or 11 starts, uh, culminating on the 4th of July in another two-hit shutout, this time of the Phillies, in which he Held a, the Phillies hitless through six and two-thirds innings before losing that no-hit bid. He would head into the All-Star break ten and four with an ERA at an even three, and he would be the Mets' sole All-Star representative for that 1978 season uh, for the All-Star game in San Diego. Uh, sadly, Zachary did not get into the game in which would prove to be his the only All-Star selection of his career. You know there was obviously less effort back then to get every player, close to every player in the game. Only five pitchers appeared for the National League that year and Zachary was not one of them but I hope he enjoyed the experience nonetheless.
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. DW, Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Zachary would stumble in his first two starts after the All-Star break, and unfortunately would only have one more third start following the All-Star break before his season would come to an end. On July 24th, he took on his former team in Cincinnati. Uh, the game was knotted, and this is a pretty notable game, uh, was knotted at two after six innings. And the top of the seventh. Now after recording the first out in the top of the seventh, Zachary faced his old teammate Pete Rose who had gone over 3 to that point and he surrendered a single to left to Rose which was an historic hit his giving him Rose a hit in 44 consecutive games which of course tied the National League record. Zachary would go on to surrender another single, a walk to Joe Morgan, and then he single to George Foster, which broke the game open and gave the Reds a 3-2 lead, and chased Zachary from the game. Now, a very frustrated Zachary, as he left the mound and descended into the Mets' dugout, went to kick a batting helmet but missed, catching the wooden steps and causing a hairline fracture in his foot, which would cause him to miss the rest. Uh, of, his, of the season, terminating his all-star season very abruptly. 1979 for Zachary was more flashes of promise sandwiched around more injury woes. He won his first five decisions, uh, no fall f- small feat for a 1979 team, which again, for me personally, is one of the first I remember and is one of the most dreadful uh, met teams I've I really started off with a bang there. But at any rate, uh, those five wins were really interspersed over the first two-plus months of the season. Uh, only three starts in April, uh, two starts in May, uh, and then two starts in June, uh, losing the sixth start to fall to 5-1, and one, and that would be Zachary's last start of 1979. As he finally succumbed to the ulnar nerve uh, woes that were pr- uh, troubling him all year. Uh, they tried rest. They tried immobilization. Uh, finally, uh, after a couple of months, uh, the, the, he decided to undergo surgery on his arm to repair the damaged nerve, ending his 79 season incredibly abruptly as well. The recovery from surgery was slow and arduous, and Zachary wouldn't make his debut with the Mets in 1980 until May, uh, a couple games out of the bullpen before you know, getting back into the rotation. And he you know, had some ups and downs starting 1980, and on July 4th of 1980, he had a rough start against the Montreal Expos. At that point, he was 2-5 and five with a 3.36 ERA, Uh, But at that point, Zachary would go on a span of six starts, which would probably be his finest period with the Mets. Uh, Between July 10th and August 4th of 1980, Zachary started six games through five complete games, including a pair of back-to-back shutouts on July 25th and July 30th of his old Cincinnati Red team and the Atlanta Braves. Uh, it Would culminate with him earning Player of the Month, excuse me, Pitcher of the Month honors in July of 1980 in the National League. Uh, his first start in August, which I you know included in that six start stretch, uh, he went the distance again, allowing three runs but zero earned runs, uh, taking a loss against the Expos, but dropping his ERA at that point to a really impressive 2.28 uh, as of August of 1980, and while well, he'd finished with a record of 6-10, and 10, which young me thought was pretty bad, uh, he finished with a 3.01 ERA, and which was probably his finest season since his rookie season with the Reds, and definitely his finest season as a Met, and in fact, his 3.0 war, according to baseball reference that year, would uh, strongly back that up, but I was 5 and I did not know or appreciate for, uh, nor did most Mets fans at the time, I don't believe. In 1981 and 1982, Zachary didn't pitch quite as well. Uh, the Mets continued to be bad, but Zachary did not continue to excel or, you know, pitch well and be brought down by poor run support or, you know, so much succumb to injury, although he did have his share of Knicks. He just appeared often and was a bit less successful than in previous seasons. He did get the opening day start in 1981 and defeat the Cubs 2-0, and he was scheduled to get the opening day start in 1982, which got pushed back due to a snowstorm uh, in Chicago. He didn't pitch until the third game of the season, in which case he took a no-hitter through seven and two-thirds innings in that appearance. Uh, He did not strike anyone out, which is very bizarre and very... So, not 2021. 20, but he was a mere four outs away from a no hitter. Well, six outs. He started the bottom of the eighth by walking Keith Moreland, uh, got a fly, got the next two batters out, uh, but then another walk put runners on first and second. Uh, then he surrendered three singles, surrounded by an error to uh, actually allow four runs in the inning, only one earned. Uh, but he would take the victory in that game a uh, one that the Mets would ultimately win 9 to 5 and perhaps his last notable or impressive start as a met he actually led the league in losses in 1981 uh, in the strike-shortened season he went 7 and 14 like the previous season where he was 6 and 10 with a 3.01 ERA in 81 he was 7 and 14 with a 4.14 ERA and also led the league in home runs allowed with 13, again, strike short in season. In 82, he went 6-9 with a 4.05 ERA. In six seasons with the Mets, Zachary spent very little time above fifth place in the NL East. Uh, several years, the team finished in last place. The team had signed him to a five-year contract prior to the 1981 season, uh, but obviously, the first two seasons of that contract, uh, the team was disappointed in his performance, and Zachary was very worn out by the losing in New York. So on December 28, 1982, the Mets uh, sent Zachary to the Los Angeles Dodgers for Jorge Orta. Ironically, 12 days after they had reacquired Tom Seaver. While Orta wasn't a piece, of course, the Mets were on the cusp of becoming contenders again, uh, after the 1983 season, of course. In 1984, the franchise's fortunes would turn around. uh, But the trade worked out well for Zachary as well. The Mets got out from under contract and continued their rebuilding. Zachary went to the Dodgers, where he flourished in the bullpen in 83 in particular, and a little bit less so in 1984, and actually got to return to the postseason for the first time since his rookie year, as a member of the Dodgers bullpen in 1983, uh, the Dodgers would fall in that LCS to the Philadelphia Phillies. However, Zachary would actually finish his career with the Phillies in 1985 in a very brief stint as he was sent there from the Dodgers during the prior to the 1985 season. Zachary would get released in June of 85 by the Phillies ending his major league baseball career. Zachary dabbled in baseball after his retirement, first as a coach in the Dodgers organization, and he actually pitched some in a senior baseball league centered in Florida in uh, like the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, eventually, he settled back in Waco, Texas with his wife, and he went to more traditional non-baseball teaching uh, for, for the remainder of his professional career. Zachary had a record of 69 and 67 as a major league pitcher with a 3.52 ERA uh, over 1,177 and a third major league innings good for a 10.7 WAR according to baseball reference. He'd never again reach the heights of that rookie season where he went 14 and 7 with a 2.74 ERA either, you know, individually uh, winning Rookie of the Year, hurling 200 innings, 204 in total for the first time in his career, only time in his career, and of course winning a world championship. But he would have a lengthy 10 year Major League career, uh, and six of them spent with the New York Mets where he went 41 and 46, uh, no small accomplishment. Given the record of those teams over the 1977 to 1982 period when he pitched for them, uh, putting up a 3.63 ERA over 135 games, 113 of them starts. When healthy, he was a steady presence, uh, probably underappreciated on those Mets teams, or at least underappreciated by me, uh, I must admit. But uh, again, always living under the specter of that. Tom Seaver trade, and perhaps never, you know, quite living up to that Rookie of the Year uh, season, uh, but he was an All Star for our New York Mets in 1978, and perhaps even better for the 1980 Mets. Uh, again, when he went six and ten uh, and was pitcher of the month, and and again, according to Baseball Reference, was the third most valuable Met that season behind Lee Mazzilli and Steve Henderson. I guess for 1980 at least, uh, Steve Henderson, Pat Zachary, uh, almost made that trade look not horrible. Pat Zachary gutting it out through injury, pitching to sporadic at best run support, all-star, Unfermedable. Thanks for taking the time to listen to Unformidable. Please go to amazonavenue.com for more mets related content. Follow Amazing Avenue on the social medias. And you can find this in all of our amazing pods wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, leave us reviews. Original music by Bunga. I'm on Twitter at WolfRR, and the show is at Unformatable. Thank you, and let's go, Mets.